Hey everybody, welcome to Zen Minded Men. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Art Gully. Vince Ellis. And uh, we kind of put this idea together with the controversy or what the climate, I guess, the climate of what's going on and the, the technology. There's been a lot of negativity that's come out of the whole COVID thing. But I think one of the positive things is we're getting familiar with technology like, <laughs> like this, video communication. And uh, try to use that for something good, I guess. Definitely. Um, so a little bit about who we are in our history, I guess. Yeah. Um, so fundamentally, I guess fundamentally, what we have in common is a love for the martial arts. Definitely. Right? So you and I met mid-90s maybe i believe it was at um it was at a renaissance tournament it was 90 i want to say 95 were you still 96. in uh dexter davison then i was still at dexter Davison. right so yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. anyway mid-90s yeah i started training in southfield 92 or 93 with yeah, master I adams at dexter davison it was in 90 it was february of 93 yeah i started training so, at dexter davison right so that's probably yeah. right. So it was the yeah. North American Karate Championships. And, yeah, and, and we uh, met at a tournament. We were um, in a, an aspiring match, and we didn't we didn't know we trained under the same senseis. We were in different schools. Different so schools. Yeah, we met at a tournament, battled it out, good battle, and um, yeah. you beat me in that one. And then uh, we ended up. Um, I came to Southfield, and I'm like, I say, hey, what are you doing here? And you're like, hey, what are you doing here? And then yeah. we discovered that uh, we're uh, both our schools were under. Uh, oh, we should mention our, our master is Grandmaster Willie Adam. Yes, uh, yeah, in he, Ishinru Karate, and that's what yeah. we're. That's one of our primary. Um, that's the primary disciplines that we study. And exactly. um, we started uh, training and oh, battle royals and yeah, good. We walk in the mat. It's like I see him, he see me, and it's like oh, here we go. It's about to be a battle. <laughs> But good times, right? It I mean, we were, we were we, training we, we partners. We loved martial arts, and we, we, we yeah. taught each other. We learned from each other, and then, you know, became yep. friends. Basically, two, like exactly. you said, two Traveled. different guys. Yeah. Two totally different circuit walks. together. Mm -hmm. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, then when, uh, like you said, Davison finally closed down, and we they, right. everybody kind of merged at, at the old Southfield location. Right. And it, then it was just a regular thing. It was, you know, three, right. four days a week. We were all training together. So, yeah, we were learning uh, everything, katas, techniques, discussing different, different principles. It was just it was just great. Yep. Great. So, yeah, through 99, I guess I, I yeah. relocated in 99. Yeah. Uh, left Michigan, came to southeastern Kentucky where I live now. So I've, I've been living in southeastern Kentucky since November of 99. Much different uh, environment than Metro Detroit. You know, I was living in uh, Hazel Park at the time, so a northern yeah. suburb of Detroit. Yeah. Uh, I had lived in – that's pretty much where I grew up uh, in that area. But now I'm, I live in a very, very rural community. <laughs> uh so but still peaceful. still training still doing martial arts um and that's the thing that keeps us together right that is a world community 
you know, it is. martial arts. And, and, that's, and that's the beauty of it. You know, and initially when you, when you think about martial arts, people always, you know, they're going on, oh, karate, it's fighting, it's blah, blah. And and yeah, it is. But I think for, for me, and I'm pretty sure for you and other, other, other martial artists, it's, it's about a, a self-betterment. It's about a way to to really learn about yourself. I mean, yeah, you're going to learn how to defend yourself, but you're, you're going to learn how to, how to move, not just to, through a fight, but you're going to have to learn how to move through life. You know, your mental life, that's change. The you're going to discover yeah. meditation and, and just how to really, and I think you and I share that, you know, and it's, it's cool because you will, we'll pick up, we'll, we'll chat on the thing, Facebook every now and then, or we see each other at the tournaments, the grand nationals. And it's like, it's yeah. no time pass. Cause it's like, Hey, how's it going? Except that now we're, our, our kids who were who were just being born at the time are now grown and right. And, uh, well, my hair is dis- just about disappeared. Mine's <laughs> turned got white. Of the gray, so yeah, mine's turning white. So, but yeah, exactly. And I again, the the community I think is what some people who don't train don't understand. Right. You know, the greater community of of the martial art and being uh, now looking back over the past 30 years that we've been training 20 something years, you can really appreciate that. Uh, And, and the friendships and, you know, uh, camaraderie that goes along with it. Yeah. You know, there is people. You're a member of a brotherhood in a sense. Yeah. No matter where you go, even if it's weird, you, if you're out at the store somewhere and you, 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 you get the store and you bump into someone and you don't even know them. And, for whatever reason, you strike up a conversation and martial arts come up, all of a sudden you've got a, a shared understanding. Something to talk about. You know, they're a completely different school, completely dis- dis- disciplined, but fundamentally they still got the same. You, you've got that link. And it, it's, a, it's yeah. a good thing. They understand really that you alone. are a determined uh, type of person. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got some drive behind you and, you know, things to talk about. And and for us, in, in you know, in our shared experience with the especially with the Southfield group and you know the the group under Master Adams I would say that I'm I've been detached for quite a while but you know we're it's a unique it's a unique experience in that uh you mentioned brotherhood it it is very much a family atmosphere it is because it, it was kind of a joke in a sense, but we were known as a, as a hugging group, you know, <laughs> when we meet each other, you know, when we travel, we'd be at a tournament, you know, first thing you do come up, class pans, you know, give your brother, do the hug, your sister yeah. a hug, whatever, yeah. you know, because yeah. we were just tight like that, you know, everybody yeah. put in a lot of effort, you sweat together, you bled together, you, you know, you understand. Broke bones together. I mean, yeah. There's a there's a there's a line uh, in the in the in the movie The Matrix, and I always love this line. Uh, the, the second one when they're fighting in the tea room, and he says, uh, "You know, well, why didn't you just ask who I was?" It's like you never you never truly know someone until you fight them. And that's, <laughs> yeah, you find out where the boundaries are. You then find out about a person when you fight a person, you realize what they're made of and where they're coming at. Because it's like you know, like you you were always on top of your game which means I had to be on top of my game. And everyone around us who trained, they were on the top of their game. So you understand that. You know what? If they we're weren't, they got on the up. other side we're, of the map. We're going to have this drive. <laughs> and whatever we're doing, we're going to be driving at it. Yeah. So you take that out of the dojo. It's like, you know, yeah, we're going to train hard at karate, but then we're also going to work hard and we go on our jobs, you know? 
We're going to yeah. put the best we can into it. We're also, when we do our families, because we're both family men, we're going to be like, okay, those same principles, I got to apply them to my family life, you know? Now, exactly. the good thing is you, you learn discipline, which you need if you're married, because as you know, <laughs> wives and kids can sometimes push you to the mat. Yeah. But you use that, you use that, that discipline that you learn to realize, okay, hey, I can move through this. I can move through that. Any situation life comes at you, you can move through it. And, and, and you realize that your brothers in the martial arts are the same thing. You know, any of us guys, we get together and talk. We all got that same core. It's, 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 a, it's a weirdness, but we all got the same veneer, the same attitudes. We, we all move the same way. And it's kind of strange when you look at it that way. He's like, oh, this because you guys kick and punch together? Well, yeah, because we're learning something, you know? I, I guess if we were dancers or, or musicians, it would be kind of the same thing. You got that shared foundation, but Maybe. that's kind of what, um, that's what yeah. drives me. You know, it's not just the training. It's the camaraderie you get from the training and the knowledge you get. So, hey. And the structure, again, yeah. you, I think you said it very well, how you're able to use the philosophies or the principles mm -hmm. that the martial arts gives you to navigate through life. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to tell, I, I'm, I guess just to give information to, to everybody uh, currently in my, I'm a engineering management. I'm, I'm an engineering management for a major automotive uh, firm, a tier one supplier. And uh, outside of that, I do own and operate my own karate school. So, one of the things that I try to tell people coming in is if you are, if you will allow yourself to, to let, if you will allow, if you will allow the art to be a part of your life, if it's not something that, if it does, it's not an activity, if it truly becomes a way of life, it's almost like a skeleton that your life gets draped on. Exactly. It becomes the bones or the substructure of everything. And no matter what you're doing, you start running the, your thoughts through certain channels. You know, you, you look at them certain ways, kind of like when you kumite, you know, when we fight, you know, you look at conflict certain ways. That's all life is. You know, a fight is conflict management. It's all it is life. It's all it is. You know, you're 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 just moving in and out in in a in a in a fight. You know, timing. You know, when do I attack? When do I defend? When do I move? Mm -hmm. and that's that is the flow of life. You know, and it one gives the, you that structure for it. Yeah, one of the precepts of you know whether you're looking at what we know as the code of Ishinru or. Uh, what's commonly referred to as uh, the eight poems of the fist. Yeah. But you know, the time to strike is when the opportunity presents itself. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you really understand that or, or try to internalize that concept, mm -hmm. number one, you'll always have yourself in a position to be able to react to opportunities exactly. you know, in life. And that's the key in life. Thing. And then, two, you'll be on the lookout for those opportunities. And for myself personally, I think that's one of the greatest things that the martial arts has done for me. Because, as I said, right right now I'm in a management position for a you know a very large 
global company. And uh, on paper, I probably shouldn't be there, maybe. You know, as far as education goes and things like that, may, you know, if, if you look at what society would tell you, right. you know, and I think we probably come from that transitional era. I just turned 51. Yeah. So my kids, I know my kids, as, as they were coming through school, they were taught that if you don't have a college degree, you'll never have a job, you never have a career. And now we're suffering from that. Because we've lost skilled uh, workers. Lost skilled workers tremendously. Oh, yeah. I I did go on to secondary education and, you know, went to college. But I think what got me where I'm at now is the fundamental skills. I worked in the tool and die trade primarily. So Mm -hmm. that brought me to the company that I work for now and uh, allowed me to transition. I went you know, from a tool and die maker to an engineering position, then through that into engineering management. Right. And mostly, mostly because, and even my growth through, through my entire career was managing opportunities. You know, it was, uh, we got this new piece of equipment. Who wants to learn how to use it? I do. Exactly. And, and just the drive to do out, if most uh, that particular trade is self-motivated, you know, most of the jobs that I had, I, I was, I had to motivate myself to do my work. You get a drawing and you get a piece of material. It's up to you to make it become whatever it's supposed to be. Right. And, uh, you know, I just think that I can understand why, in Japan in the early days, they wanted to introduce that to the, uh, into the university, you know, I think probably provide structure for the students. They want, they needed something for, for a student, a young mind, a young minds need discipline. And the best way to use that discipline, best way to get discipline is through an activity. You know, sports is one way of doing it, you know, group sports, uh, music programs, another, the martial arts, you know, like like you mentioned, the uh, the Japanese when they took it from Okinawa. Okinawa, the system was it was designed karate. It was Tode. It was strictly for defense. Yeah. The Japanese uh, when they came because they they occupied it at the time. They discovered it. They moved it up and they said well, we want to introduce this into our system, but we need to we need to to organize it. You know, we need yes. to, to to basically make it something that we can build upon. And they took it and they added the spiritual aspect to it and the discipline aspect. And now you've got a unified thing that you can bring a whole nation, whole nation of workers, a whole industries. You can all bring them together and say, we're going to build our industry based on these principles. You know, a lot of the um, a lot of the business models and they use uh, 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 Miyamoto Musashi's book of um, five rings. rings. They use. um, Oh, man, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Sun Tzu's The Art of War, uh, Art of War and their yes. business principles. And they, they've taken those warrior fighting principles and moved it. Because I know now in my uh, company, because of oh, uh, myself, I'm also in the, the big three automakers, but I'm on the in- opposite end of the spectrum. I'm on the line. You know, I've been on the line for, oh, let me see. I've been there well, on 22 years. So I get to see firsthand. And I often work with engineers who design the tools we're using and all that. So I'm the one saying, well, your concept, doesn't work or your concept is working great and yes. your concept can be improved. But 
you 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 use that when you're on the line working it's repetitive and you, you it's easy to get bored with it but when you start breaking it down your job you break down what you're doing the same way you break down your technique you know for us a punch is not a punch a punch is several steps it's balance it's weight it's 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 it's, it's philosophy it's the momentum of the punch going behind it it's the retractions it's all of this when you apply that to your job all of a sudden you realize well everything i'm doing you're constantly trying to streamline that streamline that streamline that and when the opportunity to do so arises the engineer comes in and he says oh first one of the concepts the eye must see all sides the ear must listen in all directions when the engineer comes, you hear him talking, you see what he's doing, you take the opportunity, give your, your advice, he gives it back. Now you've improved upon it. So you, you're actually making your life better. And it, it, it's, it's, it's really cool to see that because you also have to sometimes, you have to understand that you can't always go for it. We're taught that in a fight, you don't go for it, you don't go back, you take the angles if the situation calls. So it teaches you sometimes in life, a situation is going to come at you and you can't block it. All you can do is angle out of the way, deflect it, it or the impact of it and redistribute it in a way that you can handle it. Exactly. And that comes from, you know, that, that comes from your, from your personal life on down. And before I started at the plant, I was in the trades. I was at um, the, um, I worked at a, a now defunct weatherization for the city of Detroit. And um, they, uh, they made me a shop carpenter and it was weird because the reason it happened, we did insulation, that kind of stuff. One of the foremen, I'm a musician. He came to my house to buy a drum machine. And when he came in, I was giving him a tour of the house and he saw my train city that I built. I mean, I just took a bunch of scrap wood and made buildings and bridges. And he's just like, this is amazing. This is incredible. This is, I said, well, you know, it's what I do. It's a hobby. You know, I go to work. This is a Friday. I go to work Monday they called me into the office and they said, listen, you know, we, we've got sash makers and we do this. We're trying to start a new program with our funding. Your, 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 your boss here has told us that you're a woodworker, but in a sense, you know, I said, well, I'm not a formally trained carpenter. I don't have a journeyman's. They said, that's not a problem. We want you to take what you've got and we're going to put you in charge of this new little department. So I became a sash maker and I would go to, um, there's a couple of wood shops and the journeyman carpenters would show me things. And it, I took that opportunity. It was like at that moment, that was the time to strike. The opportunity presented itself. I went for it, you know, and you move forward in life. You know, you transition from that. I went to glass. I went to a, a shop. I was cabinet maker. And through that, a guy came in. He had a contract with us. He was putting, we were making cabinets for a retail store. He was the glass man for it, Glazer. And we got to talking. That job was, it was decent, but he got to talking and says, you know, I can offer you a better opportunity. I can offer you a, a skilled trade. I left that, went with him. Then I learned the glass trade. And you keep building upon each thing, those skills you learn, you carry it wherever you go, okay? And, you know, I got into the auto industry. That was great. I was like, okay, this is great. It's great money. It's great insurance. I was not a college person. You know, I just, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Tried it. Didn't work. Same Numerous thing. occasions. I, I am not I tried a formal, it. It didn't work. Yeah. It, you know? I don't learn best in that atmosphere. Yeah. I just, I, I, I never made it past, I don't know. See, I, I think total college time, I probably have a semester and a half. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I was. I went two years, that. but I didn't finish my degree. So. Yeah. <laughs> but we were fortunate because we yeah. had those skills. We had the trades that allowed us to make good money good and allowed money, us yeah. to provide for our families. And I think we've lost that now. Because like you're saying, everyone is so hell bent on, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. Okay, well, here's the thing. Now you've got all these people that in college 
went to college, they graduated, there's no jobs. Because the other people that went to college are still working. Yeah. But and you've you incurred all this job, debt. Yeah. You're totally in debt. Not you're only starting that, life on stuff the back around you foot. is breaking down. You don't know how to fix it. You can't call anybody to fix it because there's no trades. Because right. everyone thinks that for some reason we're, we're so gun ho on that piece of paper on our wall that we forget that no, no, it's not life is not about that piece of paper on your wall telling you what you are. You know, no, it's about you getting out there, doing it, finding out for yourself. I tell my sons, you know, I'm blessed. I got three sons and I tell them it's not about what you know. It's about what you do with what you know. Exactly. You know, exactly. There, you know one of them's in college and he's like, you know, didn't really want to be. I said, you at least get a starting point. But he's an artist. He's a phenomenal artist. He's selling his artwork. He's doing his thing. He's got his own plan. You know, I may not agree with all of it, but he's got a plan. My other, my, I have my twins. They're still in high school. They're seniors. One's a musician. That's his love. I mean, the kid is great. He's focused on that. The other one, he wants to get into the trades. He's very good with his hands. He's looking at, he says, you know, I'm really thinking I'm, I don't know if I'm going to the mechanic field or I'm also looking at this physical therapy thing and he's researching it. And it's great because two of them are like, well, yeah, I'm going to look for the university to teach me that or I'm going to look for the trade school. But they understand that if I don't go to college, as long as I do something to give me that education, that skill, I can still be productive in life. And we are able to give them that foundation because the martial arts teach us one first and foremost thing. When you walk into the dojo at Southfield and even at the new dojo in Southfield, the big one, the first thing you've seen is a sign that says black belts. We will give out before we give up. Sure. And that's what we learn. So no matter when you're on your job, this job is not working for me. I'm going to keep finding a better job. I'm not going to quit when you're doing anything. You're going to just, I'm not going to quit. And so we're able to translate that to our kids because in our core, we're like, we're not quitters. We're going to no. keep going. This may not be where we want to be, but we're going to keep going, you know? And I think the martial arts is universal in terms of generally when you find a lot of successful people now and you talk to them, somewhere in that, there's a little core, they've got a little history of some form of martial art that started them on that on that on that disciplinary journey, you know. And yeah. it's it's a good it's a good thing to put in your foundation to have in your background, you know. Not just it's, for fighting and all. It's hard to find these days. I uh in particular it's something yeah, something. You gotta have something in our our society like yourself, I raised four children, mm -hmm. you know, so Two boys, two girls. My eldest and youngest are girls, and the middle two are boys. My youngest daughter just turned 21. So that that generation, I think, when you when you and I were young and growing up, we didn't have the technology that our children had. You know, up until we were probably in high school or middle school. I would say middle school, junior high. You had three TV channels. Yep. And your UHF, right? Yeah. If you wanted to change it, you got up and walked across the room and you changed the channel. Right. If your dad wanted to change the channel, your mom you got you up and walked across got the up, room. walked across the room. That you know, we <laughs> were there remote. So that that's just you know, and we played outside. We were more physical yeah. children. You know, you, we you played neighborhood sports, you know, whether you were playing baseball, kick the can, you know, hockey, touch football. you know, yeah, yeah, touch football in the street, whatever. But, which which uh, turned into tackle football more times pretty, than one. Pretty quick, yeah. 
But, you know, our children in, in particular and the now there's, I guess, all that to say the the younger people that I'm working with, uh, it's it's interesting their theology on on how things should be. Their you know, mindset. Yeah, their their mindset. They have very, uh, and I'm speaking in generalities. This is not, you know, I'm not picking on anyone. This is just jet, very very general, <laughs> very very general. But um, yeah, uh, mostly a lack of understanding of how things outside work. They're very conscientious of technology right. and the theory of how things work, you know, because they've spent a lot of time in, in academia, mm-hmm. but they've not had their hands on a lot of things. They've not had their hands on a lot of things. You know, when you and I were growing up, um, you know, you, you ride your bicycle around the neighborhood or whatever, you yeah, throw yeah. a chain, you knew how to put the chain back on, right, you probably right. knew how to put air in your tire, you knew how, you know, maybe you put an inner tube in it. Maybe you were creative and you put a different set of handlebars on your bike or you change the seat around, whatever, you know, that's, those are the things that I think most of the folks in our generation, most of the men in our generation, when we were young kids did. And then, you know, you got a little older, you probably had a car and you worked on your car a little bit, maybe, or whatever. You had a shared experience through your buddy working on his car and, you know, exactly. you got to, you sat around yeah. and you talked about what you do nowadays it's it's switched with the technology the kids they may work on a bike but they're building a bike on the computer to use in their game right they're modifying the car on their computer to to you know to to use in their game and usually they're looking for some kind of cheat code so they can get better to get better and it's (laughs) like without the effort you can't cheat you know that that defeats the purpose life don't let you cheat it yeah, and there's no cheat it's, code. It's instantaneous gratification for them, you know? One thing that yeah. really I always laugh at is when we were coming up, we didn't have cell phones and all that. We had a watch. And it's your, you knew at certain times you had to be certain places. And yeah. there was a, there was a wherever you were, there was a pay phone. Yeah. Or if you were at so-and-so's house, there was the house phone. And you knew yes. that, okay, uh, 10, 15, you know. And, and you're, all these alarms they have and reminders, no, we had the street light. That's it. Mind you, when that street light hit, like, oh, I know where it's time. I need I'm to headed be. home. You know, yeah. <laughs> when that sun started coming, like, oh, I know where it's time I needed to be. And there was no, no accountability. You had to be accountable. You know, that's, one of the things that this new, um, with this COVID era, which has really changed everything, changed the landscape, is the way education is now. The kids, they're on the virtual school, you know, and there, exactly. there, there are many, uh, pros and cons to the virtual. There's many pros and cons in terms of the way the pandemic's being handled. You know, in our area, the pandemic is a factor. We've had several friends who have been sick, extremely sick. We've had people who've lost, we've lost people. Some areas are not as hit and they're not, maybe don't realize the impact of it. But for us in Detroit, it's a, it's a serious thing. And we're doing the social distance and we're doing the mass and the kids are online. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. But one of the things their principal my kids, uh, I really, I really loved her when we all had the big Zoom parent meeting, which was really a whole new concept. She stressed that, yes, you will have a schedule, a virtual schedule. You will show up on your virtual schedule in your camera. You will be in your uniform. And that is how you will conduct yourself. I don't care if you're at home. I don't care if you're not leaving the house. You will get up 
get ready as if you're going to school and then you'll just walk to your living room and get on your camera. And she says, because if you dress the part, you will do the part no matter where you are. It puts you in the frame of mind. And I like that discipline because kids now, they're so casual. A lot of these industries are so casual. You go into the stores, you don't know who works there, who doesn't, because it's so casual. You know, everything we do and musicians, you look at you look at fans and we were coming up. You, we, we used to love the when they introduced the MTV to us or you go down to the state fair to see some of the bands, whatever. There was a uniform. They had their their certain outfits they wear. They had their synchronized dancing. They had the you know, there was a rhythm to it. There was a professionalism to it. Now you get people. They just they're random. This member's doing this. This member's doing that. They're dressed any old kind of way. There's no formality to anything and we've we've lost sight of that there's no formality if there's no discipline then you're going to have anarchy and our world is basically it's it's becoming an anarchist based world people do what they want they say what they want they feel how they want they don't socialize in person so they don't know how to read facial cues read body language understand that oh you know what maybe what i'm saying is kind of hurtful they don't care they're on their keyboards protesting everything you're not out in the world if you and I had a problem, you know, hey, Vince, you and me got to talk. We're taking it to the mat and we're going to talk that way. Or we're yeah. going to step off the mat and we're going to talk that way. We're not going to sit in. I'm going to tweet out, Vince drinks too much coffee and it's just ridiculous. That's Come on now. There's no there's no accountability of that. There's, 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 there's no fallout from that. And the world is becoming that. They're saying people saying what they want to say. You don't even talk on the phone anymore. They're texting. I mean... I love texting. It's brief, but you got to talk on the phone. <laughs> you got to <laughs> conversate with a person to understand what's in their voices. We are getting so detached that you see a lot of kids and you're thinking in our generation, like, man, you are so rude. To them, they're not rude. They just don't know the social graces because they didn't have to have the social graces. You don't even have to go into a store anymore. You pick up your Amazon app, you order it, you're done. You don't even have to learn how to present yourself anymore. A lot of the jobs, you go on the application online, you type it in, you send it, they let you know you're hired. Here's your orientation. Click into this. You're you're done. We've lost so much. We've become so detached because technology, as you said, has just turned us into this. I don't know. We're we're, we're not zombies, but we are becoming drones. We're almost becoming un machines right because we don't care Westworld type are losing all respect because like you said they don't have to do anything yeah. it's, it's so much easier yeah and to kind of bring that back around to our training you know you you mentioned that your child your uh your son's uniforms for school you know it the covet experience where i'm at is much different. Again, I mentioned I live in a rural environment, uh, pretty small town. We're pretty spread out, but our governor uh, is is he's he's treating it very severely. Okay, whether I agree with that or not, it's you know that's my opinion. But uh, and and I will say it's it's hard on small businesses. You know, very small businesses. And I'm sure in, you know, New York, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., whatever, where you have a large population of people in a very small area, it's it's much different 
uh, from where I'm at, where, you know, I, I live on uh, almost 200 acres. You know, my nearest neighbor is 400, 500 yards away. And, you know, the most people I see is if, if I choose to go to Walmart in town or my workplace, you know, in, in, in my workplace. And, and we have uh, protocols in place there also, of course. But, you know, the schools, my, my kids are doing virtual school at least through the end of this month. And it's very uh, laxed in that aspect. From, from what I know, I'm usually gone in the morning, but, you know, they, they get up. They are doing interface with their teacher, which I, I like, as opposed to there, there were two options. You could do either the daily interface if you planned on going back to school when they released the restrictions. The other option was just to do virtual all the way through. And in that case, my understanding of the way it works is you just go through a request, you know, it's almost self-driven. Yeah. You just go through, you know, you log in, basically read, or, you know, you look at some virtual presentation or you get some information and then you take a test. So yeah. I know for me, that would have been devastating as a student, yeah. especially at, at a young age. I wasn't introduced into the, to the martial arts until I was 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I sucked at self-discipline, you know, as, as a child uh, and, and coming up, you know, I probably had ADHD, may still have ADHD. I don't know, but I was very easily distracted. You know, I was that, you know, that a squirrel kind of kid. So, you know, that was just me. And uh, it, it had, you know, really had to have my interest to, to keep me focused. So COVID would have been devastating to me as a, as a child. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the whole uniform thing and, and the way people um, present, you know, a lot of people have lost focus in that or, or how important that, that is. But, you know, bringing that back to the dojo at Southfield, I, you know, my first training was in Shorinru Karate in 1990, and it was for a short stint here in uh, – actually, it was in Kentucky. Uh, and then mm-hmm. when I came to the Southfield Dojo, that was the first large – what I would call a large dojo, uh, a very formal school. The Shorinru school that I, that I studied in was real small and kind of less, less formal. We, we wore a gi. You know, we still had that. You had to come in. You had to have your gi and all that. But like at Southfield – Sensei was regimented about your uniform. Yeah. On a class, you had to have a clean uniform. You wore your patches a certain way. They had to be fixed properly. Yeah. And then uh, it, when you went to a tournament, you had certain expectations. You know, you he wanted your gi clean. Your gi should be pressed. You know, when you show up, you were expected to conduct yourself in a certain manner. You know, and there was a lot of formalities, uh, yeah, floor etiquette in, in the dojo that you would learn. You know, you didn't you didn't talk to adults uh, with their common name. You used a surname or you, you used a title based on their rank, you know, sensei or, or whatever, you know. But it was always Mr. or Miss or whatever. And uh that meant something. You took that out into society and, you know, 
people take you more seriously when you present yourself, you know, in that manner. If, if you're a sloppy person and you don't, you're unable to verbally communicate in a, in a decent manner, listen to what you say. You know, Dr. Fauci showed up to do his presentation on the White House lawn in a torn T-shirt and, you know, board shorts and was like, dude, this COVID thing, you know, nobody's going to listen to that. Nobody's going to listen to that. You know, no, nobody's going to take you seriously. So we're a visual being, first and foremost, as, as humans. You know, and, and there you take that back to, to martial art. You had mentioned it earlier, you know, the eyes see all sides, ears hear all directions. We're taught to take visual cues. You know, that's one of the first things in self-defense, right? You're scanning, you're looking, you're looking for those visual cues. But it's the same thing in life. Who do I want to listen to? Who do I not want to listen to? Visu- I have to visually understand that you're saying something of, of importance before I, you know, if, if it's in that environment. If I'm listening on the radio, obviously vision isn't going to be a part of it. But but then you listen. You're listening with your ears. You're hearing yeah. all direction. You're and they're, the they have to use the right words. You know, yeah. you hear the passion in their voice. You you've got to. We we learn how to convey that. You know, you present yourself. You know, exactly. It's like at the beginning of our karate creed, I come to you with empty hands. You know, I come to you. I'm. I'm empty here. I'm presenting myself. If you first meet on the street with me, you have no, you know who I am. You don't know who you are. But if I come to you and my back is straight, you know, my eyes are clear, you know, my neck is up, you know, my, my chest is not. You don't um, look I, like prey. It, you, it's like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm clean. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, not necessarily have to be shaven, but I'm clean. My clothes are presentable, you know, yep. you automatically say, okay, this person has got something. You know, when you hire companies to do work at your house, I recently had um, our um, central air went out during COVID, during the hottest, you know, and <laughs> we got a new air put in. And while they were there, they said, well, you know, your furnace is 20 years old. So if you're going to do this. So, of course, my wife was like, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. And I'm looking like we are, you know, you know, you know, you know, the marriage. You may yeah. be the head of the house, but the wife is the name. So when the exactly. company came out that did it, I got to tell you, they had like, at one point, I had like four or five guys running around my house area. They're all masked up, gloved up. These were the most professional men. I mean, they were all of them in their uniform, their shirt, everything. I mean, they're working hard outside. They're sweating. It didn't matter. They were from start to finish professional. They presented themselves as professional knowledge, skilled workers. And that's how they did it. And I felt comfortable that they were doing a good job. I was able to just sit back and let them do their thing, you know, as I would walk through the work, I would come in the basement and they're down there, you know, they had a little radio going on, but they knew they were in a home. So they had the little speaker right next to sitting like on my little desk. So the only person could hear it was them. So they gave them their music, but they were respectful of the property they were in. You know, yeah. as they worked, they cleaned up after themselves when they would step into the house they made sure like excuse me sir you know we're gonna take our shoes i said don't worry about it. i can move this rug it's not a problem when they were outside doing things they would cut metal and everything they would constantly clean up after themselves they kept the noise minimal because they realized they were in a neighborhood and to me you have other companies i've seen where 
they show up and there's 10 or 12 guys, but you don't know if these people working for this company or not. They're dressed in the old kind of way. They're acting in the old kind of way. They're talking about all kind of inappropriate junk. They're more interested in talking to their buddy about what happened last night than explaining to you that don't shut the water on yet because I got the plumbing turned off. And it presents itself. Companies or employees or workers or people who present that, that disciplined look, that neat look, that's telling me that you took the time, you care enough about what you're doing to present this professional look so that I'm going to say, you know what, go with you. And like you said, our dojo was, it was, it was like that. You know, I started when I started at Dexter Davidson, which is in, in Detroit, if anyone's not familiar back in the day, Dexter Davidson was very, 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 very bad area. It's a little, it's a little rough, but you walk into that dojo. It was not a nice place. It was basic building. Uh, since they had discovered long ago that people would get distracted. So our windows were sealed shut and painted over. So you couldn't look out the window. There was no air. In the wintertime, by the time there was no heat, uh, one of the cold, cold donor, dojo owners, it was an Aikido stylist, he had huge dogs. So you'd have the smell of the dog. But when you step on that mat, it didn't matter because we still, the building was old, but we still swept that building. That mat was just was just crazy thick and whatever, and it was sold in every spot, but we still cleaned and kept that mat clean. When you stepped on that dojo, it didn't matter that there was no air and you was sweating. You better have on a clean gi when you walk in. There were showers in there, so when you get ready to train, if you didn't shower at home, you better shower there so that when you step on that mat, you're not funky. Now, after an hour or two of training, you're going to be funky. But even then, there was a shower there. You know, you conducted yourself. When the rain, the roof used to leak, and it was hilarious because uh, now my sensei that ran the uh, Dexter Davidson Dojo, Master Woods, would put buckets everywhere, and you better not hit that bucket. They don't. <laughs> I don't care if you're you're fighting with Kumatan, we're battling head on. You better not hit that bucket. But what it taught you is that no matter what is going on around you, you still do what you need to do. You know, your training taught you to do this, this, and this. Okay, so it's raining. Doesn't matter. I'm still doing this, this, and this. Okay, it's super hot in here. Doesn't matter. I'm still doing this, this, and this. I'm still going to dress my proper way. I'm still going to discipline my mind. And you take that in the light. You know, I'm in the plant. It's ridiculous in that plant. It's so doggone hot. It's, it's, it's an old plant. It's super hot. It doesn't matter. My training taught me how to breathe, how to regulate my air and, and the heat situation, which works not just for fighting, but everything in life. You know, my training taught me how to discipline my mind so that this is driving me crazy, but I can focus on other things, break it down. And you carry that through. You carry that discipline. You go to work. You know, I want to go to work. I work in a plant, but I don't have to be nasty. It's a nasty place to work, but I don't have to be. I'm going to wear my, my coverall. I'm going to make sure that I'm clean. My equipment is clean. My work area is clean. It's discipline. And we're missing, we're losing sight of that discipline. You know, you've got this phenomenon over the last decade, the, the internet, the tech billionaires, the, the trendsetters, whatever. And this, they come up with this app and they're this new breed. There's, there's no respect for anything. There's no formality, anything. Okay, maybe some people can create in that environment. But how do you grow in that environment? If you take nothing serious, how do you become serious? If you take nothing and, and, and make it structured, how do you maintain the structure? And we've lost sight of that. And we, you know, our, we're fortunate because our training has taught us that 
no matter what you do, you got to maintain order. That's the key to life. When you're in a fight, you got to maintain that order. Okay. When you're in your marriage, you got to maintain that order. Raising kids, you've got to move in every direction you can because you never know which way that challenge of child raising is going to, is going to take you. But your discipline keeps you going because you know that, okay, I got to change this diaper. This is not something I want to do, but it's something that I must do and I'm going to do it neatly. I'm going to get it done. If I do it properly, do it neatly, I can get it done quickly. Then I can move on to something better. You know, I talk with my boys a lot when we're, we're doing our training at home. My youngest trains with me at the dojo. The other two were at the dojo when they were younger, but they, they say, no, we don't want to. We, we live with you. We can get it from there. One of the things that we've been developing, I say, when you're, when you're in fighting, and even as a philosophy in life, I said, it's not so much I'm training to, to, to beat a person or whatever. I'm training to destroy a threat. Everything is, a, you, you consider it a threat. I don't look at the person. I consider the person the threat. Now, how do I destroy the threat? My training teaches me how to destroy it one way, but it also teaches me how to destroy it another way. If you're in a situation and there's going to be a threat to you, if you perceive a threat and the person comes at you, that's a definitive threat. That's imminent threat. You destroy the threat. Now you say, oh, well, I'm going to beat him up. No, don't think that I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to kill him. You simply think I'm stopping the threat. And if you put it in that, by any means necessary, you will stop that threat. Sometimes stopping the threat means you realize it, you pick up on it, you walk away, you get in your car, you leave. Threat neutralized. Sometimes the threat is, hey, man, how you doing today? You okay? You realize, oh, my God, dude, you know what? I'm not okay. You've minimized the threat. Sometimes the threat is they're putting their hands on you, you break them down, boom, you've minimized the threat. If you look at it in that terms, you can, you can focus so much better. Same thing in life. A threat. You lose your job. That's a threat to your security. How do you eliminate the threat? You find another job. You realize that if I have to eliminate this threat, I got to find another job. I'm going to lose a lot of my expectations. I'm going to lose a lot of that pride. I'm going to do whatever it takes to eliminate the threat to my home security, you know, to my home, to take care of my family. We we are in, in, in the world today. A lot of these young folks, they don't realize that because they, they feel like, well, I deserve this. That's the key. I I don't know where that came from. Where does this entitlement come from? And I mean, you see these young kids, they're they're driving in their cars and they're racing up and down the street and you're like, hey, slow down. Please don't tell me this. I I have a right to do this. What right have you done? What what have you done? Do you think that you earned that? Honestly, what have you done? Been in your parents' house, used your parents' money and bought a car. What have you done? You know, you find that a lot of the kids who are out here with the part-time jobs, they're a little different. They're a little different. They're, they still got the, the detachment and they're still that whole generational attitude, which is baffling to me. But they're understanding like, hey, you know what? Uh, I, 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 I'm doing this because I went to work for this. You know, I bought this car because I earned this car. I went up, I went on this job, I did this. So now I've got something. And it's a different mindset, but we're getting so far away from that. And as parents, we want to give our kids everything. You know, we worked hard, we struggled hard, we did stuff, and we don't want our kids to go through that. But then sometimes you got to say, well, where's the balance? Am I hindering them? Am I hurting them? Because now they've had it so easy, you know, they don't understand. I look at a lot of kids, you know, a lot of my friends' kids, and, you know, in my house, we've got one rule in our house respect mom respect the queen that's the only rule that's it you want to come at dad 
come right on. <laughs> but mom, respect yes. the queen. And if you respect your mom, if you respect the queen of the house, that carries on and you will respect other women. The disrespect to women nowadays is shocking. It's shocking. They don't, guys, men of all ages, they don't respect the women. And it's become such a casual thing that the ladies, the women, are no longer demanding that respect. They're almost accepting the fact that, well, you know, you can treat me like a second-class citizen. It's okay because I'm an independent woman. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. But that's a philosophy that's been lost. It's it, been you lost. Know, and that, again... Maybe we're old school, you know, and people think we are old school. We're not as old school as our parents. And that's think, what's wrong with the old school. When yeah, there's nothing the wrong with it. You got us through there, right? But this whole woke generation, you know, that's the word, right? Woke. Oh, yes. How do you – that goes you back to the to? whole discipline thing, you know, even with the uniform or whatever. You're, you can't hold – it just does away with the expectation. Right. You can't expect anything out of anybody because society tells you we're not allowed to judge mm-hmm. or I wouldn't even call it judging. Let's just say holding judge. expectation, yeah. you know, that there should be a minimum requirement for how people act or right. interact with each other. Right. It, it It's nuts. And right now, you know, September of 2020, it's at a pinnacle. Our country is in absolute chaos. You look at the West Coast right now, you know, what's going on in Portland and cities like that, you know, there's definitely been some bad stuff go on. And Mm -hmm. and I think it's been heightened due to COVID, you know, and the shutdown of the country. People got more time. They got more anxiety. Way and it's definitely ramped this thing up, you know, Mm -hmm. but these underlying social, social issues, I guess I would call them this whole woke community Mm -hmm. in that environment has now just exponentially exploded Exploded. and created utter chaos. But in our school systems, you know, all these things that, that, that you've mentioned, uh, you're not allowed to teach because, you know, we, I guess as a parent, you know, you, we send our kids to public school. Everybody has the option to, I guess, send your kids to private school if you can afford it. Right. I shouldn't say everybody has the option, but it's, it's out there. If you can afford it. If you can afford now, it. Now, again, I live in a rural community, private schools. There's not many, there's starting to become a couple. And I mean, in the last couple of years, but, we go to county schools, you know, so there's a very large area that goes to one school. And, you know, again, coming up, there was discipline in schools, right? I, there was corporal punishment when I went to school. If you did not receive discipline in school because when you got home, you were going to get it again. You get it twice. That's and right. that's something else that shifted. In school, back when we were coming up, our parents – it mattered how you acted in school. Nowadays, you have these parents who they send their kids to school. The school is un- the kids unruly. The kids undisciplined. When the teacher tries to enact any type of discipline on them, you've got the parent jumping on the teacher. And it's like, exactly. hold on. 
You sent your child to this person to try to teach them. They're not able to teach them because the child won't behave. And now you're mad at the teacher for trying to instill some discipline that you obviously haven't instilled. And then flash forward 10 or 15 years, that kid is running ramshot over the house and you're wondering, oh, well, how did I let it get? Where did it go? I can't control them. Well, gee, wonder why. I have a big, this probably started even before I left uh, Michigan and came here. uh, It was when I became aware of it. So I would say mid nineties, you know, the alternative school program, especially for high school students, you know, they would have an alternative school and primarily for behavioral problems, right? They, They take these rowdy kids out of the public school system and put them over here into alternative school. I understand in theory why you would do that. You know, you don't want to be a distraction to the other students. Maybe it's not fair to the other students. So you remove them and you put them over here in alternative school. However, after 12th grade, there is no alternative society. Alternative society is prison. Exactly. If you can't get along with the group and you act out, yeah, we'll remove you from the group and put you in prison. That's right. That's So instead of trying to deal with the issue, when it occurs, we encourage the issue by removing you from here and treating you like you're special. Yeah. You're not we special. tell you, you don't have you're, to perform. We're going to make a place for you. And if you yeah. act up, we're still going to try to work with you. But you don't have to conform. Like, uh, no. You know, we take it back to the dojo. There were numerous occasions where people would come visit the dojo. Now, I'm a type of person that's always smiling. Because life is stressful. And I find that if you smile, it takes away some of the stress. It, it may sound silly. But if you're having a bad day, just smile. And it releases endorphins. I'm not even going to get into the science. But when you step in the dojo, if you come in the dojo, and you're acting out of order, we're not going to remove you from class. We're going to discipline you in class. You're going to learn how to respect that other student. If you, Because you, you've dealt with bullies at the dojo just like I've dealt with them. If you've got someone who's coming in and for whatever reason, he's got the sweet technique or she's got the sweet technique and they're, they're picking on the that's a, the lesser fighter or the person whose cot is not good. You got pulled aside. I know I used to get pulled aside. Mr. Gully, uh, so-and-so is displaying some strange behavior, but you teach them the error of their ways. Absolutely. And I'm going to respectfully whoop your ass. Exactly. Because you're going to be taught that, okay, but I don't care what you were before you came in here. You come in here, this is how we're expected to act. You're either going to conform or you're going to get hurt. You're not, we're not going to ask you to leave. I'm going to demand yeah. that you leave. We're going to, to be your choice. Yeah. But life's not going to be comfortable if Life you continue to act the way you do. You can't go to work and say, oh, well, <laughs> I don't get, get along with any of my coworkers. Okay, well, tell, we're going to have an alternative office for you over here. No, you're either going to get along with your coworkers or you're going to get fired. That's it. So life has to prepare you for that. And yeah. we learned that. At the, we learned that. At a very early age, it's a dojo. We learned it in our, from our homes, too, because that's the way the generation was. But it reinforced to us that, hey, sometimes this is not going to work. I just got to deal with this. I've got to conform to deal with this. But people are not doing that. Oh, you're freezing up. Oh, there you go. Okay. 
and, 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 and like you said, the alternative schools and, 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 and the special programs and this, no, 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 to an extent, yes. But it was better when you had the resources. We've stripped our educational resources to the bare minimum that these teachers, they don't have the, the, the equipment. Anytime teachers have to start sending out lists at the beginning of the year so that everyone, could you please bring paper towels extra pencils. I mean, right. they the same thing here. Yeah. give you the lessons because they've been stripped the budget. So they've got to try to manage a budget so they can teach. And then they've got to try to teach in an atmosphere where oftentimes the parent is not. Yeah, they have no authority either. You know, not no only authority. do they not have resources, they don't, they don't have authority. Yeah. You can't say this. You can't do that. Everything people have gotten so sensitive, you know, people have gotten so sensitive that you can't say anything and sometimes you need to say something we have i'm gonna give you a funny example at, a, at my kid's school one of the uh, teachers uh he's, he's the computer guy that i mean this guy was amazing with the computers and he and i are roughly, roughly the same age he was a white guy of course i'm black as you can see but at the, at the halloween <laughs> uh the principal did not believe in halloween but he would allow the kids to have like a, a trick-or-treating, I mean, like a harvest. You could dress up in a costume. Right. And this particular teacher, he came in with a red shirt and blue pants. And everyone was like, well, what are you? What are you? And no one got it. So when I came to the school and I was like, hey, I said, oh, you got your costume. He said, do you know what I am? I said, you're the flag, red, white, and blue. And he, he said, yeah. And people were like, oh, and we're like, what? <laughs> we, we didn't. He's. You're saying he's white. He is white. Why can't we just say what's he's obvious? He's red, white, and blue. What's the problem? And it was so hilarious because everyone was just dancing around. People were so uncomfortable. And then once you say it, you stop and you're like, oh, you know what? That is kind of funny. He's not in any way laughing at that joke and sharing that joke with him. Is in no way insulting his race or heritage. And it's in no way saying something about you. What it's saying is you acknowledge that this man is a white man who decided to use his color to go into this costume and represent America and give you a laugh. That's all you're saying. But we are so afraid now, you know? And yes, racism is strong. I've experienced it in so many different ways. I've experienced it in so many different ways. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop being me. And that doesn't mean I'm going to look at every person as if, okay, okay, he's white, all right, he's got a crew cut, yeah, he's racist. Okay, Vince, he's down in Kentucky, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely a member of the Klan, you know. You can't do that. I got to talk with you for a second, have a conversation. Because the person that really may be doing me damage may not be the white person standing to my left. It could be the black person standing on my right. You don't know. You've got to give each person the benefit of the doubt. You open your eyes, you listen to what they're saying, you watch what they're doing. Then you make your determination because sometimes the person you think is your best friend, if you really look at their actions, really listen to their conversation, you realize, that, well, you know what? There's a bite to that conversation. There's an edge to that conversation. They're actually undermining me. It doesn't matter what color they are. And we've lost track of that because we're, like you say, circling back to the tech. We've detached and we're jumping on any bandwagon. People, this was something that... Um, I, I do my, my YouTube channel, my other YouTube channel, and one of the, uh, we all have, we, we have discussions a lot. And back when President Trump, when the COVID first hit, now, 
I have very strong opinions about President Trump. I'm not going to go into them here, but let's just say I don't agree with most of his presidential policies. One thing he did do is when COVID first broke and he asked the, the medical doctor, the medical board, he was sitting there and he says, you know how if there's some kind of way, can we like have some kind of medicine to flush the, the toxin out? Like, like for instance, like, you know how bleach and that stuff kills it. Can we come up with some kind of medicine that would flush the toxins out? And everybody jumped on it. And you got memes of people hooking themselves up to bleach and people, and they're going on and on because they, they just hate Trump. And he says so many things that are just whatever. And I, I started, I said, wait a minute, people, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't agree with most of what this man does, but isn't all he's really saying is, is there a way like in dialysis, you hook up, you bring the bad blood out, you put the good blood in. He's asking, can we safely and scientifically come up with something that would filter the blood and get rid of COVID? And when I said that, a lot of the main folks who were fussing, they were like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I didn't think about that. I said, it's just like dialysis. What? Why can't you get past the hatred and stop and say, hey, he might be saying something. If you concentrate on the, 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 the skin color or, or, or the rhetoric, then you may miss the opportunity to say, wait a minute, if the ear doesn't listen in all directions, you may miss, okay, this man may say 20,000 things stupid, but if that one thing he says is smart, if you're not listening for it, you're going to miss that. And we've done that. We generalize with everything now. We so we jump on bandwagons, you know, we, we, we jump in the next movement. You know, I like to play the devil's advocate. If you come to me with something, I'm going to say, and this, this drives my wife crazy, you come to me with something and I'm going to say, well, wait a minute, hold on. What's this going on here? I said, well, from this perspective, I can see this, you know, you should just be on my side. No, you can't do that. Because if you give, if you're presenting something, you've got to look at this side and you got to look at that side, then you can make an informed decision. We're in a society now where we're, we're giving up that power. We're letting society tell us what side we're going to be in. Yeah. You know, we want to we want to be like that that read of grass in the wind. We're letting the wind say give away the force, right? We're, we're losing but that. That's uh, the, you know, it's it's really good point you bring out there. And some people lack. I mean, this guy's the president of the United States, but that doesn't mean he's knowledgeable of everything, right? You work with what you have. Yeah. So with his knowledge and vocabulary, that was the best way he had to explain mm -hmm. the situation at hand. Now mm -hmm. you're talking to a room full of scientists who hopefully can say, well, yeah, you want a way to disinfect the body. Right. You know, if I can wipe right. a counter down with bleach and immediately kill the virus, can I likewise? Same thing happened with the UV light, right? They say COVID dies immediately in UV light. Right. And, you know, well, is there a way that we can light up the inside of the body? I think that was a right. question that was presented and took as ridiculous. Yeah. There's actually, they're, they're actually doing something very similar now. I've heard recently uh, on another podcast where there, there's, you know, they are doing that. Well, they put lights inside the body all the time, right? Cameras and lights. Mm -hmm. So it's not unheard of. That's how innovation happens. You know, there was a time when men sat on the ground and watched birds fly in awe and thought, wouldn't that be nice? You know? <laughs> and now look at us. Yeah, we're flying all now over the place. Us. But it's, uh, man, it's, it's, it's crazy times. 
But here we are, you know, we started off talking about how we're very visual people or earlier on we were talking about visual people and how we present ourselves. Sometimes your eyes can defeat you. You know, that's where it's important that you be able to discern, use your ears, like you said, and shut off your eyes along with the striking arts. You know, I, I grapple. We, I, in my dojo, we, you know, we do the Ishinu karate. We also do Sanshinru jujitsu and which is a eclectic Japanese style of it's American, but based on a Japanese principle, I guess. And then we're starting to incorporate some Brazilian jujitsu, but a lot of times when I'm grappling on the ground, I'll close my eyes. And it's more about what yeah. I feel than what I see. You know, when I'm, when I'm doing stand-up, it's, it's you know, visual cues. I'm watching movement. I'm watching, you know, everything. But on the ground, a lot of times I'll just, you know, close my eyes and I'm feeling the pressure and feeling the balance and, you know, working off, especially if I'm on my back. You know, I'm just working mm-hmm. pressures, but I guess that, that point being there's no such thing as, and that goes back to my day job as an engineer. There's no such thing as a bad idea. You know, it, it may sound foolish, but there's a part of it that's going to be, you know, lead to something better. I work for a Japanese right. company and one of the principles that, that they have is called Kaizen, you know, and yeah, you may have heard we this term. It it's yeah, you know, it's yep, commonly used it in automotive, but it means continuous improvement, right? Kaizen is continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, you prevent your eye, you prevent your ideas with the Kaizen and then they, they review yeah. the Kaizen and sometimes yeah. your idea doesn't work. Sometimes it leads to a better idea. Yeah. So, so it's again, ultimately, you know, in the Kaizen principle, 1% improvement a hundred times is a hundred percent improvement is a hundred percent. As long as we're moving forward, right. As long as we're moving forward, that's all we, that's all we need to do. But if you shut yourself off to that as even a possibility, you will never improve. And that's the same way we operate in the dojo, right? That's what we learn from the get go is it. It's not a sprint, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You continue to grow. Long you have short-term goal. goals and you have long-term goals, you know, and I, I, I love the way that, you know, coming up, we had the only way I know to put it, it's a, it, the term has negative connotations, but we had segregation in the dojo, you know, oh, yeah. but it, it was used for a positive manner because you had cues and you yeah. had dons, right. And cues, didn't you're a cue, you were expected to act a certain a way. Yeah. And you did not act a certain way. The dons would let you know. Right. We had our own locker. Well, as cues, you had your own locker room. You had to line up on a certain side of the mat, you know, mm-hmm. and you, and it was all based on rank, right? Or, or right. time and time and grade, whatever. And uh, you just fell in order. There was an order. It, it wasn't because of who you are as much as, as it was what you had done. Right. Right. Had nothing to do with the person inside the gi. It was the gi and the belt. But you always as a as a as a cue, you were looking at the dogs on the other side of the room. And that's where you wanted to be. That's where you wanted to be. You know, and you were looking at a goal. It developed your character because uh, the interesting point you just made is it's just it was really interesting because you come in 
And when we when we when we got our black belts, we became dons and we started moving up in rank. We became the don. So now I'm the don that the Q was looking at. And in my real life, I'm just a common line worker. And this guy is 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 the owner of a Fortune 500 company. On the mat, now I am the don. He is the Q. I'm still respecting him for trying to come up, but he's respecting my knowledge. So it's like the dojo is the great. It's the evening. It's ground. the equalizer. Yeah. It's the, it's the thank you. Thank you. I knew, yes. I, I, I knew I had to come back to get that word. It's the equalizer. It doesn't matter who you are when you come in there. When you step in there, you become a person who is after one thing, and that is self improvement. That's it. That's it. And we're losing sight of that in all aspects. You know, I tell them, um, I tell, you know, I'm, I tell when I'm teaching karate at the dojo, I tell the students now I haven't been able to teach as much because I got this bad hip and I'm dealing with crap. But whenever it always it always um, it always would hurt me when someone a student would say, you know, oh, I, I, I didn't want to ask that because I didn't want you to think I was silly. That always bothers me because, in my opinion, and I tell people this, the only bad or stupid question is the one you don't ask. That's the only bad question. The only bad question in life is the one you don't ask. If I come to you and I'm presented to you as a teacher and the master has said, you are now a teacher and I want you to teach, then at that point, I have to say any question, I got to be able to feel that. And I cannot make this person feel bad for answering that because I can tell you for a fact, I used to drive Master West crazy because I had some stupid questions. I can tell you for a fact. He would answer each and every one. Sometimes he would crack up while he was doing it. But if it wasn't for that, you know, you go to Master Adams, he's going to look at you. And you, you've you gotten the look yeah. with that. Yeah. But he's going to answer every question. This is a man who's who's literally one of the highest ranks in the world. You know, not, not just in our dojo, in the world. And he is going to talk to the newest student and listen and be patient and give him that knowledge because he understands that as a teacher, it is my job to teach you. Doesn't matter how high I get because I want you to rise up this high. So in order to do that, I've got to take all this knowledge and give that to you. If I get to the point where I've just got so much knowledge, but okay, I don't, you, you don't need to know this, then you will never rise. So as, and that, I, I basically just killed my organization. If we do that at work, you know, you get some of these bosses that think that they're so hoity-toity, they don't want to associate with their they will never rise. So as a result, your productivity, your productivity is not going to rise. You know, yep. if you've got your friends and you're having success and they're struggling and you decide to disassociate them, then you've just lost that. You will not continue to rise because you don't know what it means. They will not rise. We cannot do that. We cannot get into this whole thing. Well, I've arrived at this point, so now I'm better. No. I've arrived at this point, so now I'm in a better position to help you. Now, on the flip side, if I'm offering the help and you repeatedly refuse the help or you don't care, then at that point, I wish you no ill, but now my resources are not going to you anymore. That's it. Let's not be stupid about it. Yeah, I can't beat you. Initially, we've got to be at that spot that I'm not so much, I want to always be confrontational, you know? I want to be in a position to understand, you know? You deal with all of these um, these protests going on, and we had a um, when uh, when uh, when Floyd was killed, we had a big protest here in Oak Park, Michigan, and it was oh my god, it was a couple of thousand people. They were all racist, all ages, all nationalities, 
they were walking down uh, Coolidge with the signs and the police were walking right with them. Not one incident, not one incident, because those were people who were saying there is a problem. We need to address it. I, I can I'm a white person. I don't understand your problem, but I understand that there is a problem. I want to address that. I'm a black person. There's a problem. I'm so thankful that you're walking with me and that you're accepting me and we were, you're accepting that. Then you get these other areas where they're agitators. They want the anarchy. You come in and you, 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 you deliberately start crap, you know, these Antifa groups, all this, they want anarchy. If we feed into that rhetoric and instantly jump on, oh, that happened. So that whole group was wrong. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at what happened. This particular person did this, which sparked that. If you feed into that, then you're going to lose sight. Everyone is becoming, it's like this or that, this or that. We're no longer able to say America was founded on the nation that, okay, we don't like this idea. So we're going to try to go and make a better idea. All right. And that's what we're doing. But when you get into the point where I don't like this idea, so I'm going to make this idea, but I'm going to crush your idea. Because I don't understand your idea, so your idea is stupid. Well, no, that's not what the world is. And we're at that point where we're losing sight of how to coexist, not just with races against races, within your own race. You know, I I see the signs all over Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. And the one thing that bothers me, me being in, in the inner city and dealing with so much stuff, and Black Lives Matter, but they need to matter to Black people as well. You know, white lives matter, but they got to matter to white people as well. You know, you've got to, we got to change this narrative a bit. We've got to look at this and say, okay, people, it's time to step back. Let's calm down a bit and let's see how we can move forward. Because if we don't do that, we, people are saying we're headed towards a civil war. We're headed towards a worldwide, you know, meltdown. We're not headed towards anything. We're there. Yeah. And that's what it looks like. 2020, this is what it looks like. Anarchy, craziness. At some point, you've got to stop and say, okay, I've been shouting. Now let's see if it's been heard. But if you keep shouting, if I'm shouting and you're shouting, nothing gets heard. Nothing gets heard. Because when my mouth's moving, my ears aren't listening. That's right. And we're an hour and 15 minutes in. Oh, that's good. Let's cut it. Yeah, so, well, just to... (laughs) Close that up, you know, what what you just brought up, perfect, because that's really what prompted this whole idea. Exactly. And, you know, what what we're doing here, obviously, you know, you're, people are going to see this, you you know, I've, and the conversations that, that we've had, yes, you're black. I'll go ahead and say it, Art, if nobody told you. I'm white, okay? I'm white. <laughs> And did, you know, know, but you know, you live in the, you know, you're you're in Detroit, yeah, inner city. I'm down here in the foothills of Appalachia, you know, mm-hmm. southeastern Kentucky. Uh, so very different environments, totally. uh, but we have a lot of things in common. And you know, if people are going to look at this, or or you may look at us independently and think we have nothing in common, mm-hmm. and we ought to be on opposite sides yeah. of of the current situation. And we're not going to agree on everything. Not gonna, it's, not know, gonna, it's not supposed to be. I'm sure, as I've heard you say, you know, we probably have some differences in political views. Yeah. Based, and but that's, that's okay. okay. There's okay. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, and as a country, I'll, I'll admit it. Our past is not perfect. Not. 
you know, we've made mistakes, but we've brought up the concept of Kaizen, right? Mm -hmm. Improvement. Mm -hmm. And even in the martial arts, my goal is not to defeat my enemy. My goal is to be better tomorrow than I am today. Exactly. And we need to embrace that as a culture, as a country, and as human beings. And if we do that, the collective will be stronger. 